just as we have dual nationality, we live in two realities. In the one we are temporal, temporal and live in space and time, what we can see, touch, taste, smell, our senses. The other is eternal and infinite. And there is a tension in living between the finite and the infinite. We have a pull both from the heavenly realm and the earthly realm at the same time and we get to choose where we spend our time. We are aliens and strangers in this world. We are passing through. The function of the prophetic is to bring things from the eternal into the temporal which establishes the kingdom on earth. And the primary function of the prophetic ministry is not to prophesy but to teach people to hear the voice of God for themselves. And at the same time, God uses the prophetic as a bridge between heaven and earth to bring about his divine purposes. Our declaration brings God's will down to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. We are entering a new season where we must find out what our permissions are and release them onto the earth in order that his will is done on the earth as it is in heaven as he taught us to pray. This will mean for some of us that our prayer life will have to take more of a priority than it currently does. We have at the same time a tremendous privilege and an enormous responsibility. It's vital for us in all of this that we begin to understand ourselves, our own makeup, that we are body, soul and spirit because cerebral believers are not open to the supernatural. So it's imperative we begin to understand our own constitution, our own makeup. Our body touches the temporal reality. It's our outward man. It's of the earth, earthly touch, taste, feel, smell, hear, see. We relate through our senses. Our soul is our self-awareness, our personality, it's where we live, our mind, our emotions and will, and our bodies play out what we think and believe. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23, 7. Or as Peter Horobin once put it, you are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Our spirit man is God-aware, and it's from here that we are retraining ourselves to live. From existing only in the earthly, we are being trained by the Holy Spirit to live a life fully connected with God 24-7. We have to become God-conscious. We have to begin to start receiving things in our spirit, not in our soul. Because the soul has its own way of processing stuff. It rationalises, justifies, it considers, it makes judgments on what it perceives is happening. The spirit man takes his information from God's viewpoint. This bypasses our understanding and lands straight in our hearts. God in us is the centre. Everything we receive, we receive by faith. Knowledge comes by revelation to our spirit. Love precedes knowledge and wisdom follows love. Everything must spring from the love relationship, the heart relationship we have with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. There is nothing 
outside of relationship with God for us. He is the lover, we are the beloved. He works in cycles from him and through him and to him are all things. Romans 11.36 Julian of Norwich said this, God is our true peace. He is our sure keeper when we are unpeaceful and he continually works to bring us into endless peace. He is your Lord and you are his possession. Here, beloved, is the crux. We don't wish to be his possession. We are uncomfortable with the thought that we cannot be master of our own destiny and we do not easily let go control. We are short-sighted, naked and blind because our heart has no real rest until it finds its rest in him. So if you're still fighting him, give up the unequal struggle and yield to his dominion. Walk the way of peace, beloved, into his heart of love for you and see the boundless provision that is yours in Christ. Because what has won your heart will govern where you live. And your life needs to be driven by the nature of God. Because what you think about him is the single most important thing in your life. It will drive everything. What you think about God is the single most important thing in your life. The first commandment tells us that we should love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And our mind does have a part to play here as do our emotions. Emotions are not wrong. They can be misplaced and they need to be brought under the benevolent control of the Holy Spirit but they're not wrong. So don't throw your brains away either. Thinking deeply about God, meditating is an important part of our journey in God. We're not meant to have empty minds but minds filled with the knowledge, love, wisdom of God, the mind of Christ. So how confident are you in the nature of God towards you? Everything God does, everything in your life, it's relational. A supernatural lifestyle, an intentional lifestyle is based on the name and the nature of Jesus. We get to know how he thinks and we get to find out what he wants to do in any given circumstance. So how you see him is the key to opening heaven both for yourself and for others. Men seek understanding, women seek experience and both are necessary. It's okay to think as long as it leads you into an experience of God. It's okay to have an experience of God, but it must lead into thinking about him, or all you will do is continually seek after more experiences. We need both, knowledge and experience. If you enter through experience, you must leave through knowledge. If you think your way into his presence, let it lead you into an experience of him. We must have both. It's one of God's cycles, round and round. The mind opens up stuff heart meditates on it, the heart releases revelation on what the mind perceives which leads to transformation of our mind, how we think and perceive things. It's a cycle. 
We find we no longer move in criticism and judgment, but in mercy and grace. As we receive mercy and grace from him, we pass it on to those around us. You'll judge and criticise if you don't see the goodness, the kindness, the mercy of God in every situation. He is redemptive in everything he does, even in correction and chastisement. Hebrews 12.11 All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Have to be trained by it, beloved. If you're all head, you end up never speaking to God but telling him stuff, informing him of how you think things should work out. You also end up disillusioned because you had your own view of what he was like and what he was going to do. You're up a one-way street. Prayer is about discovering the majesty and supremacy of Jesus Christ and finding out what he wants to do in any given circumstance. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul prays this, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Paul's prayer that the eyes of your heart may be opened in order that you may know. Knowledge and experience. We need both. Experience is always an emotion about feeling something. This is part of the Holy Spirit's role to connect our emotions with God so that you may know the peace that passes understanding. We have an experience of what we're thinking about. Let's talk about heaven coming down then. And we see how this works when Jesus came, first advent. A declaration of peace and favour is given by the angels and it goes out over the earth. This is a prophetic proclamation of God's intention to reconcile man to himself through his son. You find it in Luke 2 verse 14 and this is the NIV. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. His favour was to rest upon mankind because of Jesus' atoning work on the cross. We're currently in a season of grace before God's universal judgment. The interval between Calvary and the second coming is a season of grace, so don't you dare go into judgment with anyone. It's not our destiny or our calling to be earthbound and at war with people. We're here to proclaim and declare the peace, grace and unmerited favour of God upon mankind. John 3.17, New American Standard Bible, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to put a face on God. We are here to put a face on Jesus. Everyone with whom we come into contact is destined to be touched by the goodness and kindness of God which is displayed through us as we cooperate with the process of being conformed to his image and transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's your destiny. It's your inheritance, beloved. 
to live in the love, grace and favour of God and give it away. Matthew 10, 1 and 7 and 8 Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Verse 7 As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. This is our role on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. God is calling us up to a higher place in the spirit. He's calling us up to an elevated position where our legal authority, favour and permissions are made manifest. Where we cease to talk about who we are and begin to live who we are, citizens of another kingdom and ambassadors for Christ on earth. As he is, so are we in this world. We do not currently know our power to change the atmosphere around us. We've been rendered powerless by ignorance of our true identity and inheritance. But this is our time, this is our day, to rise up and bless those who curse us and pray for those who despitefully use us, that we may be seen to be children of another kingdom. Beloved, this is the year of your rising. And you cannot fight the spiritual with the physical. You must take up the correct position and fight like with like. So you release all the spiritual blessings you have in Christ to dispel the darkness around not only your life, but the lives of others. That you might be a blessing and be blessed. This is our mandate to do greater things than Jesus did. So, few questions. Is your name known in hell? Are you making life uncomfortable for the enemy? The first rule of spiritual warfare is that you cannot take ground from the enemy if he has ground in you. Are you known in hell for your integrity, your patience, your love, your wisdom? Are you known in hell because you can't be bought with man's flattery, money or persuasion? Are you known in hell for your generosity? Are you known in hell because your thoughts are pure and cannot be corrupted? Are you known in hell because you won't speak ill of anyone? Are you known in hell for your faithfulness? Are you known in hell because you do a good day's work for a good day's pay? Are you known in hell because you love your husband or wife? Are you known for your persistence under pressure, your endurance, your ability to overcome? Are you perfecting the art of bouncing back from everything that comes against you? What are the positive steps you're taking to move yourself from one place to another? What if Jesus sees you as a warrior but you see yourself as a wimp? God is raising up an army. Do you want to be part of it? He stated in his word his agenda for us. Romans 8.29 again. For those whom he foreknew he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son 
so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. His predetermined purpose is our confirmation to the image of his beloved Son, who is the firstborn among many. We are the many. His desire is clearly stated in John 14:12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. This is our inheritance, beloved, to do the works he did and greater than these. The resources of a heaven are at our disposal. We will not need them when we get to heaven. We need them now. Now is the time when we should be learning to pull heaven down to earth in order that we might manifest the glory and power of the risen Christ in and through our lives. What if our role in the earth is to release kindness, a kind word, a blessing? What would it take for you to believe that God is unceasingly magnificent? What mindset change? What attitude adjustment? All day, every day, God is unceasingly magnificent. And I and the glorious companion of an incredible king. That is the bride talking about her beloved and listening to the heart of the beloved. We're to share his throne. We have to learn we are joint heirs. A joint heir cannot work alone. They can only act in partnership with another. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. What an inheritance. This is where we should be living, in the knowledge that we are joint heirs with Christ. We shall reign and rule with him. This isn't a fairy story, this is fact. It's our inheritance in the earth to be the most attractive, the most lovable, the most loving, the most likable, and the loveliest people on earth, just like Jesus. As he is in this world, so are we. We are here to put a face on Jesus, just as he came to put a face on the Father. As the Spirit of Christ lives in you and you allow his work to transform you, you become intensely attractive, lovable, intensely loving and incredibly lovely and likeable, just like Jesus. That is our inheritance on the earth. That's who we are. We have a royal calling to be the extraordinarily attractive, likeable and lovely bride of the unceasingly magnificent, majestic and incredible King in order that we may properly represent him. We need a firm grip and understanding of the theology behind this before we can experience any success at practical Christianity. Unless we know and believe we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, we cannot apply the injunction to stand firm against the enemy. Ephesians 6.11, which is heavenly, we move in two places at once. We can't practice this if we don't understand the doctrinal truth of being seated with Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians 
Memory verses will no longer cut it. Unless this has a practical outworking in your life and you understand what it's saying, it will avail you nothing. Doctrine precedes practice. So the knowledge of the truth of being victoriously raised with Jesus precedes the power over the enemy. We have an implacable foe and unless we are assured of both our position and our permission we will not be able to stand firm when the battle rages around us. Genesis 1.26 God said let's make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. We are of the dust and we are heavenly at the same time formed of the dust of the earth, born from on high by the Spirit of God. We're set for a kingdom lifestyle. God has stated his intention that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're told to petition him in order that this comes to pass. The kingdom is expressed through the will of God being done on earth through us. We're glory carriers. We carried the image of the invisible God. God has purposed dust to work out his kingdom purposes and we are joint heirs with Christ and fellow workers with him. Our heavenly DNA, our new identity is expressed through the fruit of the Spirit manifested in our lives as we allow the Holy Spirit to do a house clearance on us. Our whole lives are one of process. We're being changed from one degree of glory to another as by the Spirit of the Lord. Our new creation has influence to change the atmosphere around us. Where we have influence which flows out from who we are. As always, it's identity before purpose, being before doing. We establish ourselves in the truth that we are much-loved children and everything flows from there. Everything flows from our intimate relationship with the Father, the Son and the Spirit. To the extent that we're deficient in this, we lack power and authority. We cannot hope to go out into anything in our own strength. Only in the strength and power that the Father provides and determines for us as he calls us to be yoked with him. Intimacy before function. There's no shortcut, beloved. Give yourself to God and he will give himself to you. You are his inheritance and he is yours. Your job is to be the beloved of God. His job is to give and yours is to receive. Train yourself to receive. He is the lover, you are the beloved. He wants you to receive his love. We need to develop a receiving mentality. The earth manages it. Isaiah 55.10, again the New Living Translation says it like this. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. 
that caused the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. This is an example of a spiritual cycle. Everything God wants from you, he gives you first. He never ever asks you to do something without giving you the means to do it. He's brilliant. You are not this, so this is what you need. Let me give it to you. Romans 11, 35 and 36. Who was ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We can never give anything to God he hasn't given us first. He asks us to love him first. The first commandment. So what does he do? He loves us in order that we can love him back. And John 4.10 This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. This is it in practice. You're not this, so this is what you need. Let me give it to you. Beloved, whatever the enemy is trying to steal from you right now is what God wants to give you. So have a look. See what Satan is after and you will see what God wants to give you. Get your magnetic north, get your divine compass bearing. So, we live in two realities. A temporal, space-time, touch, taste, see, smell reality of our senses and the eternal, infinite, heavenly reality. The tension of the finite with the infinite. We're in this world but not of it. Citizens of another country. Aliens, we're passing through. We are people of enormous privilege with awesome responsibilities. We're bridging two realities. We have this treasure in these earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of him. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Enormous privilege, awesome responsibilities. We need the revelation that the treasure of heaven is Jesus in our hearts, the heavenly and the earthly. We contain the treasure of the knowledge of God and this inward revelation results in an outward manifestation through our bodies, through our lives. It's vital that we regain awareness and understanding of how we're made. It's vitally important we begin to understand our own makeup. Our bodies touch the temporal. Our soul gives us self-awareness, sometimes too much so. Some people have a soul like a sumo wrestler and our spirit makes us God conscious. We often hear about the longest journey in the world from our head to our heart, but in fact it works the opposite way. Our heart will bring revelation to our heads, not the other way round. We are by and large in this country all head and no heart. We understand, but we have no revelation. Our affections need a touch from God. If that's your problem today, ask him to touch your affections because the seat of your motivation will be your affections. Where your heart is, is where you will live and what you put your importance on. Whatever has your heart, has you. If it's not Jesus, you're out of alignment right now. Your affections are set in the wrong place. Colossians 3.2 Set your affection on things above, 
not on the earth beneath. So properly we are intended to span heaven and earth. We have a heavenly position and perspective from which we receive our calling and power. We have a position which is a legal entitlement to as many as believed gave he the power. This is this word is not dunamis power, dunamis dynamite. It is exousia, power and authority. And our authority comes out of knowing our identity. In business terms, we can walk straight into the director's office. We don't have to ask his secretary if he's free. We can march in because we have the right of access made possible to us by Jesus' blood the torn veil of his flesh. So we have our feet in two places at once, here on earth and in the heavenlies. We have two identities, the one we are before God and the one we are here on earth. My granddaughter actually doesn't want me to sit down with her and teach theology. She wants me to play snakes and ladders. Persona, personality. Our persona is now how we're known in the heavenlies a persona is what God speaks to. He won't speak to your personality, which is often quite negative. Two places, earthly and heavenly, and we need to know our authority in both realms. Identity and inheritance. Thank you so much. I release you to see yourself in a way you've never seen yourself before. And I pray that he will give you an experience of himself so that you might be overwhelmed with him as your lover, as your beloved, who is coming after you with romantic intent. And I declare to you that you are free to respond to him. You are free. God bless you and thank you so much for listening. Next time we will look at Yeshua Hamashiach. Jesus, our Messiah.